there's a real insider's game to be had there. Yeah. But I... there's a lot of dribbling out of bounds and stuff like that anyway. <laughs> Welcome back to the ACC Basketball Degenerates podcast. The Sweet 16 edition is here. Holler, holler. I'm your host, Luke Near, joined by Vegas Mike Jaffe and Taylor Pilkington fresh off. Just a weekend in the trenches. I think it was one of the best opening weekends we've ever had ever since we started this back in 2015. But you guys can correct me. Good evening, gentlemen. Oh, good to see you, Luke, man. It was it was a heck of a weekend. You know, I, it's funny. If you compare the two uh, podcast episodes that we put out, you know, the first one was so right on. And the second one, as we thought about it more, just, you know, I don't know. That, that Sweet 16 pod, you can delete that one. This is the real Sweet 16 pod. <laughs> you know, this is where we make all the right picks. But you better believe great, it. Great first weekend, man. It was amazing. You better believe it, my friends. So, highlights and... Let's see. Low points. Where should we begin? Taylor, I, I know you like to look at the bright side of everything, so let's start about our best plays. And I'll start with Oral Roberts' money line. I'll be the first to show you the ticket, ladies and gentlemen. That was beautiful. And I'm talking about the Ohio State game. That was my best play of the weekend. And what else was nice? Oregon State money line on two occasions. And then Syracuse money line. Shout out to our ACC reps. I don't want to talk about Florida State. I'll get to them in a minute on the other side of the coin, which is going to be uh, my lowlights of the opening weekend. But what did you guys have that was really uh, juicy? Yeah, Taylor, you're going to go on your – what was your best of the weekend? I don't know. So tough. I mean, my one of my favorites was Houston just covering in the absolute most – horrible way uh against Rutgers. maybe not the opening line but i kept uh you know praying and, and <laughs> praying and taking them on a live line as they went down a 10 against Rutgers and looked like they could not uh score the ball whatsoever and uh Giroux went out with a um hip pointer. some sort of yeah hip, hip pointer, pointer. Yeah, yeah. and the the commentators were trying to turn it into their their own personal you know Omaha Beach or something. Like he was really <laughs> doing his best to attribute everything. I, I respect the effort. He was really doing his best to attribute everything in in the world to Jarreau and and getting through this. And I don't know how Houston managed to actually come back and win that game, much less cover a couple of these live lines. Uh, but it was it was it was like climbing Everest with one leg. It was amazing, <laughs> and I was so happy to see it. I also enjoyed Syracuse just uh, torching West Virginia. Um, yeah. Although it was it was a near thing near the end, a little bit nearer than I would have liked, but you know, just torching them at the beginning. Buddy's of the game. flamethrower, man. That's been right. really the item of choice if we're talking about uh, Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, my favorite actual my favorite moment might be the uh, whoever was commentating on the Syracuse, I think West Virginia game, who uh, you know when imagining Jim Beheim speaking about uh, you know s- another player with regard to his son saying. Yo, this guy is good, but I love my son. So for the rest of the the rest of the game, all I could do was just scream, "I love my son." And, that's, <laughs> and now that's that's become my go-to. So little Mel Gibson esque in what was it? Uh, Ransom, right? Give me back my uh, son. Yeah. Oh, very good. Very good pull. That's nice. I, that's nice. I was like Mel Gibson in his most recent arrest his most recent <laughs> traffic stop i was like where is he going with this um yeah well, dude i agree man that that syracuse game was a roller coaster. i, I want to hear a little bit about michael's plays so can we go there because i gotta tell the audience what happens to him every single march and this is even when we were in the flesh in 2019 <laughs> 
He just is sort of walks around silent. You don't know if he's got ten grand on a game or if he's got five dollars on one. And he doesn't really tell you what he likes. He just says, oh, "I don't know. I sort of have this ticket, but I don't really like it. I'm going to go get the other side." You never know what he's up to, and that stayed the same this past weekend. He just goes radio yeah. silence in the bunker. So I'm interested to see what you actually were up to. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I, I'm sorry that I was uh, ill communicado. You can, you know, you can squeeze all the juice out of me before the games, and then during the games. I mean, I really am very, very locked in. I'm not really great at multitasking. I'm a, I'm a very laser-like person, just in general. I'm not a good multitasker. Um, you know, Taylor mentioned the Syracuse West Virginia game. I felt like I couldn't miss on that game. I mean, you could get West Virginia eight plus eight and a half. You could start off with Syracuse plus four. I mean, that game was all over the place. It was great to see Syracuse pull out the win. I mean, you know, t- you know, Taylor and, and Luke, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't even feel the wins. All I feel are the losses. Hmm. So you guys, you guys are talking about all the things you want. And I, I was very positive this weekend. I had, you know, an excellent weekend, even though I read that it was the greatest weekend, like in sports book history, you know, they For didn't Vegas? take me. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. They, they said they had the greatest first three days ever, um, you know, for, you know, ever, you know, cause there's a um, lot of fish out there. I'm sorry. We're yeah, not in that category. It's, Thankfully. It but it's not about, it's not about who wins or loses. It's about volume. And people are so desperate for college tournament again, the college tournament again to start again. We've been, two years off, you know, we're just so excited yeah, and so it's legal much, in a lot of places now. So much has moved online, you know, so you just see so much more volume out there, but, and plus, I mean, it was a complicated tournament. It was a complicated first weekend. I mean, you know, teams that even we liked, you know, Purdue, Jeez, um, man. Tex- Texas, you know, chasing North Carolina. I yeah, fell North into Carolina. that. Chasing I mean, them. Gosh, yeah, I mean Ohio State, you know, I mean these Virginia, you know, these are teams that uh people really like to wager on and all of them were absolutely hosed, you know, in that first round matchup. Um so you could see how it could go it could go their way, but um yeah, I don't know. I I feel the losses more than the wins, but yeah, it was a great weekend for me mostly on the back of teams like Oregon State that I believed in from the start and Yeah, then, uh, that was a great or- call. Yeah, Oregon, and then um, you know, even uh, gosh, you, the first round matchup, um, you know, f- for uh, <laughs> I I, like, I'm like, Blanky. I've got one UC- for you. Here we the go. UCLA I'll just game, show it. UCLA B- BYU was good for me as well, but yeah, I mean, all of them were pretty good overall. It was great. It was a great weekend. I do it. I do it again. Ten out of ten. Well, the second round, I thought there were a lot of opportunities to check out which Cinderellas were just done. Abilene Christian was at the top of my list there. Ohio as well, after watching really one of the worst Virginia performances all year, and somehow they had a seven-point lead in the second half. I said, okay, that's all I need to know. Hammer time on Creighton next round. If you watched any of that Creighton-Santa Barbara game, just the athleticism and the speed and the quickness and skill in general was just so much higher than the Ohio-Virginia game. So that was a play. And then you could have done the same with North Texas and Villanova because North Texas, I mean, just not that good of a basketball team. If you watched them during the regular season, I wish I had hopped on that. I did not. So there were a couple of those out there. And then riding Oral because, gosh, they can score the basketball. We're going to talk about them. But, Taylor, where do you want to begin? West, East, Midwest, South? Let's, Let's start like clockwork this time as opposed to what we did last time and go with the West. 
All right. Oh, traditional Taylor. You're reeling it back in. You're gonna start. I, I am. Start with the overall number one seed, Gonzaga, playing Creighton. What do you think, Luke? I mean, you're you've been a Creighton believer all year. I did. I mean, you, you think there's a shot here against Gonzaga? I hopped off on the UC Santa Barbara game because I just thought that they weren't going to show up mentally, you mm-hmm. know, right? Spiritually and emotionally, but I guess they did physically, right? I don't know what to think about Creighton right now. I almost want to ride the fact that Mitch is going to maybe pull up from the logo a couple times, get him going. Zigarowski played one of his best games all year. If you watch this three-point shooting against Ohio, he was just lights out. I mean, he was pulling up off the dribble and nailing shots. They're going to be able to score against Gonzaga. I like them in the first half. Gonzaga has not been playing well in first halves. If you look at their numbers, ATS in first halves, it's just been absolutely atrocious, except for when they were playing the bottom of the barrel of the WCC. So that's where my head's at. I don't think Creighton has enough to win this game because I don't think they have any kind of answer for Timmy. But I don't know. I think they can keep it close, and I think 13 is a little too much. (laughs) The current line right now is 13 and a half. Well, that's even better. Ooh. Getting the hook, getting the hook. You're not kidding. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta love Creighton here. You know, I think in the last, uh, in the, in the last uh, podcast we had, we talked about the Spider-Man meme of two guys uh, pointing at each other. You know, I mean, I, I kind of like that these are kind of the same team, except for obviously Timmy for Gonzaga. I, I don't know, man. I just really like Mahoney and Jefferson for Creighton. Jefferson's think, balling outrageous these days. Yeah, I mean, just big physical guards. I think they could I, – I think Jefferson's going to be guarding Kispert. He may give him some problems there. Zigarowski, I think, has enough fight against Suggs. I, I don't really like this Creighton team, you know – throughout the year but i don't know man they got maybe a us against the world mentality um maybe they rally within that locker room and pull pull something exciting here against gonzaga i could see this being a being a challenge for the zags let me tell you why you're both wrong <laughs> in so many words uh one luke you said it yourself creighton has kind of gotten a little easy run santa barbara ohio they and they struggled with santa barbara i think like, the gouchers are good though with. Yeah, they're good. But Creighton, I think, has been bad since the whole plantation thing. Their locker room is is messed up. I don't, maybe they're coming together, but they're not good enough to beat Gonzaga. And Gonzaga hasn't even reached its final form. You know, they've just been coasting. It looked like maybe, oh, Oklahoma was going to give them something, and then they win that game by 16 points. Hey, guys, guys, wait, wait, wait. Taylor, let me, Taylor, uh, let me need... stop. Let me stop you for a second. Taylor, where what? have you been the last five years? They don't need to beat Gonzaga. They need to cover need thirteen to co- and a half. Yeah, no, I'm saying they're not going to cover. No, I'm saying they're not going to cover. They're definitely not going to beat them, and I don't think they're going to cover. Hey, look, let me let me tell you guys something. Look, look at that Zags schedule again. I mean, has have the Zags really beaten anyone this year? I mean, they beat a Kansas team that was never really very good. They beat a West Virginia team that it was never really has, good. Uh, yeah, it was never really good. <laughs> and a an Virginia Iowa team. team that I always hated. A Virginia team really that was good. never very yeah. good. Um, BYU. You know, obviously, another uh, team. team. I mean, RIP. Yeah, RIP. You know, I, I, I don't it. know. You kind of look out there and you say, "Well, well, damn, Creighton might be the best team that Gonzaga's played all year," and I think that's a legitimate argument. So, and I'll roll with that. I'll say that that's the best team that they played all year. If they played Kansas to twelve and West Virginia to five, I, I think Creighton falls somewhere in there. 
So there you go. There's my argument for why they can cover. I'm with you, Mike. I, I'm, I'm going to ride that too as well. Ride and it, man. They haven't beaten anybody. Exactly. All you I, need is some hot shooting, and I think that's going to be there for, for Creighton. And gosh, Mahoney and Jefferson are in the interior. They're problems for yeah. anybody. Yeah, big, broad dudes. Yeah, I mean, they're they're men down there. So. And they're yeah. fired up too. Yeah, fired up. Come on, let's do it. Let's, I'm ready. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess the, the bottom half of that bracket, though, is more kind of exciting to me, or that quad, I guess, which is USC, Oregon. Oh, I have a lot Taylor, of thoughts on this game. Do you want me you, to start? You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Okay, so everybody's going to look at the USC-Oregon game for the regular season, which happened before oh. Oregon really started becoming Oregon. So that's What a weird what a weird game that was. Just totally yeah. blew the doors off with, was well, it a 17 nothing? run Yeah, it was a start? haymaker at the beginning of the game, yeah. just three threes in a row, boom, right in your face. And then ever since then, Oregon's really recovered nicely. They ended their regular season on a five-game winning streak. They only lost in the tournament because Oregon State is a buzzsaw. Yeah. But I just like the fact that um, Duarte is really rounding into form. I don't think that USC has an answer for him. I think they're going to hang out on the perimeter. I think they're going to rain threes. I think they're going to move the ball. And the Mobley brothers are going to be, I don't know, stuck in concrete. So I love Oregon in this one. I think the the value taking money line is great. I think it's climbed all the way up to, I don't know, 140, 150 or something like that. Mm. Um, I wouldn't take the points because either you believe in it or not. Don't take two and a half points for this one it's either going to swing in one of two directions i'm in oregon's um corner i like dana more than i like enfield i know that enfield's had a good track record with the florida gulf coast teams but he hasn't made a tournament in a long time i just think altman uh, this is his time of year he's made a final four before been there done that he's a great march coach better than Izzo right now and i'll be the first to proclaim that so give me oregon and take money line Nice. I love that. Taylor, what about you? you? You got vibes either way. I know you like USC. Yeah. I, I have loved Oregon all year and then kind of like backed off it a little bit, maybe just to spite Mike because he loved them so much in the tournament. Yeah. Um, and, and wanted to, you know, bet on my hometown VCU Rams gone too soon. That's a shame, you know, out of the tournament with COVID, but uh, um, I, I like Oregon here too. I mean, I think USC has exceeded my expectations. That win over Kansas was really impressive too, kind of based on an early jumping out to an early start too. And uh, when the Mobley brothers like get to work in and, and dominate right there, it, the game can be over. But I think either Mike or Luke, you guys have said the the guard play of USC can be a little suspect at times. Oh yeah. And, oh, and if yeah. there's anything US, I mean, sorry, if there's anything Oregon's guards are, it's just very steady. I mean, Duarte is like just on top of the game like a like a rock like a steadying rock that floats <laughs> on the surface of the water i don't have a good analogy rocks here. rocks do not we know rocks but, don't float. but that's the miracle <laughs> is that he is a rock that floats is what i'm saying <laughs> i, I say to say he's he, hollow he's hollow. i wanted to say he walked on water but oh, i didn't want to get man. too like yeah, no, sacrilegious no. here i didn't, I didn't right, want to get right. too biblical here or something i don't know right he, um so I like Oregon is the main point. Yeah, well, that is a great that is great analysis. We'll always take your rocks with us um, whenever we think back on this game. But I mean, unfortunately, this is a consensus because I, I just think that you know, so Oregon struggles defensively on the interior. Okay, they can't really stop anybody on the inside. But they um, took guards' best punch and they just weathered it. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that same mentality is going to um, carry through in this game, right? They're going to kind of let the Mobley brothers or really Evan Mobley go to work down low and they're going to take what they take down there. When they lost to USC earlier in the year, it had actually nothing to do with that, with with what Evan Mobley was able to do down low, in my opinion. It would had a lot more to do with, you know, USC uncharacteristically hitting a lot of shots, actually having a lot of shot making, you know, I mean, I, I just I don't see that happening again in this game. I mean, in the USC game previously, they were 10 of 21 from three. I mean, they shot 47 percent, absolutely blew the doors off. Um, you know, I think USC is soft, you know, offensively, which is weird because, you know, they have the number one two point percentage defense, you know, um, on the interior. You know, they're they're an active defensive team, but they don't guard the perimeter particularly well, which is where Oregon shines. Um, so I think that this is actually while USC, I think, may be a better team and could probably beat more teams out of this 16 team field. I think that Oregon's a bad matchup at this particular moment in time. So, um, yeah, I agree with Luke. Money line. I have an Oregon Final Four ticket future. Um, yeah, you know, I like so that. I'm, I I'm pulling for him. You know, so I, I like Oregon here. Um, yep. I, give give me money line for sure. Mike, just to add some stats to what you're saying about that previous matchup, which I agree that previous matchup was in a different season. Oregon's been improving all year, and that's completely different than what's happening now. But USC went uh, 10 for 21 from three-point range, shooting mm-hmm. 47%. And uh, Taj Edi in particular went six for 11. Right. He's probably the best three-point shooter, but I don't, I don't see Oregon letting that happen again. I don't see – Altman is too good a coach, and they are too good of a defense to, like, to, to not change something or affect that more in this game. Yeah, right. I'm with you. Okay, that's the West for you. I've had a good feel for the West. I went – Eight and two against the spread in the West, but don't worry, I'm not gonna gloat too much because once we get to the to the East, it's it's just been a dumpster fire for me. There's no <laughs> other way to put it. I've been completely out to lunch. I've been a wreck. So, do we want to do this now, or should we end with this? No, no, let's do the East. Which it's funny that you've been such a dumpster fire because this is the chalkiest of all the uh, of all the quads. You have a one two. Four. Well, I still then, have my final four team and alive. Then UCLA, UCLA sneaking in there. My so actual bracket, not the Sweet Sixteen one that we did that ridiculous podcast, the last one that the listeners had to sit through, where <laughs> Taylor right. and I were convincing ourselves on BYU. That that's not what I actually have done on paper. So. Yeah, let me, let me let me tell you from that Sweet Sixteen podcast last time, the three main takeaways we came away with were Texas, B, BYU. Texas or four, I guess BYU, Texas, Purdue, baby, Purdue. Yeah, and I think there was a lot of Kansas stock. Um, oh yeah, so, yeah. I was, I was yeah. culprit for that. Now, now that we're getting into the East and BYU, I just, I, I mean, I will own up to it. I think Luke and I both picked BYU in the Final Four. That was a fake <laughs> Final Four, and I picked him to make the Final Four. And I think Mike was like nodding along, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And then maybe I don't know an hour before BC BYU UCLA tips off Mike sent like a text or something. It's like, 
you know that BYU is not going to win this game. Like, yeah, and he's just like, you know that UCLA is going to win this game. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. sure, so sure of himself. And yeah, I, like, I literally, I reach out, to Ta- <laughs> I reach out to Taylor and said, Taylor, Taylor, look, I love, I know you love BYU. What is it going to take for me to be able to convince you that UCLA is going to wax BYU? <laughs> like, I can show you anything you want. Would you, would you be able to accept it and and roll with me on this? And, he and looked, the answer was no. The answer like, was, yeah, no. was nothing. Like, well, I respect the heck out of that, Taylor. I'll be the first to say it. Sometimes you do have to stick to your guns, and you've got to draw a line in the sand. That's what I did with Virginia and all the Ohio people, and I'm still frustrated on that because all the Ohio people did not deserve to get that one. They really didn't, but I'm with you, Taylor. Sometimes you just got to stick to it and go down in flames, and that's what happened with BYU. That's what happened with me in, in numerous games, but let's get to the rest of this region or quadrant, as I like to call them. Right, right. So the Alabama mis- games have just been okay, great, cool. Right. That's the way I feel. I have them in my real Final Four, but I, I don't love this team. Let's talk about UCLA and their prospects for upending Alabama. Uh, I mean, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting matchup. I mean, it's really, you know, how is how is Cronin going to be able to adjust to the speed of an Alabama offense? Right. I mean, that Alabama Maryland game was interesting for a moment, you know, coming, you know, end of the first half, coming into the beginning of the second half. Um, and then Alabama just absolutely erupted uh, with, I think it was like a 15 point, 15-0 run or something, you know, by three. Um, and just, you know, Petty stretching them out, Quinterly, everybody else, you know. So, you know, if you're, if you're UCLA here, you know, you have size and ball control. I mean, you're you're not going to be turned over in any way by Alabama, right? I mean, you have you have so- solid guard play with Campbell, uh, Jacquez, and Jazang, right? Like, I yeah, Jazang's been playing great. I mean, there's just there's going to be steady ball handling and competent shot making. I mean, that's what the if you think of anything about the Pac-12, that is Pac-12 basketball this year. It's like you're not going to be turned over and you're going to be highly competent shooters, even off the dribble, which is something that this, which mm-hmm. is the reason Illinois is not in the tournament, right? They, they could never hit shots off the dribble. Um, but the PAC 12 can do that. Um, so, you know, with an Alabama defense that, you know, is somewhat turnover dependent in my mind and is also, you know, get people off the arc dependent. I don't know if you're just going to be chasing people off the line, UCLA can definitely hit those mid-range uh, off-the-dribble jump shots. So I, I kind of like UCLA to score. Uh, when I look at Alabama, I look at a team who can often get off to these really rocky starts, and UCLA has been coming out of the gates firing on all cylinders. So that's what worries me a little bit out on Alabama, them having to play catch-up. They've been able to do it successfully. They've owned second halves. You might want to think about that if you want to get tricky, like I'm going to get tricky with probably the Creighton game and also this one as far as UCLA first half. But for the game in general, what's our line here? I got to look it up just because I don't know it off the top of my head. This is terrible that I don't know this off the top of my head. I think it's Alabama Alab- six and a half, I right? Alabama is the six and a half point favorite. Oh, thank goodness. Note, now I don't get opened, voted off the island. It opened at four and a half. So money has been going towards Alabama right now. It opened at four and a half. Yeah. Oh, my. That was, I mean, who made that line? What do you think? Holy cow. What, too low? Yeah, that just seems way too low. I mean, you know, UCLA, I mean, I mean is a good team, but I, I think that you would want to see UCLA catching, you know, well, I would guess what it's at now, six. I would say between six and seven, um, just because of the explosive nature of Alabama. 
Um, and obviously, I mean, they pulled a double-double this year. I, were there any other teams that pulled double-doubles where they won the conference and the conference tournament? I don't know no. of any others off the top of my head no. that pulled that off in the Power Five or mm-hmm. anywhere else. Well, the so, WCC, obviously. Yeah, but... I guess I guess Loyola did. Um, but, you know, that's <laughs> about it. <laughs> Luke, Luke goes to Gonzaga and Mike goes to Loyola. What's <laughs> the there. difference? Yeah, welcome to your national championship game. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, okay. I, I don't know. That seems too low. I don't want to pick this game. I don't want to do anything in the West. Or, pardon me, the East, but I guess I have to. And I'm just going to go for brute force, give me Alabama, and – I love Nate Oates so much and his style and the fact that he's wearing these very interesting plaid blazers. I love his enthusiasm. I like that he shouted to Will Wade to GTFO after the SEC title game. I thought that was a great <laughs> moment. No, it really happened. He said he said it to Will Wade and the I guess the entire LSU team. You can see it in his uh, final shout after that last shot rimmed out or LSU wasn't able to get a rebound and an extra shot off. So... I'll go with Nate Oates. Just, they overpower him, I think. And UCL has had a nice story. But, yeah, I think Alabama opens up and wins this one by about 9, 10, double digits. Taylor, what you got? Yeah, I, I'm. my first instinct is to just repeat what Luke said and say, I don't want to bet on this game. <laughs> I don't, no, not at all. I mean, it just, I, I honestly... I have not liked UCA, UCLA throughout the most of the year, or at least I haven't liked them as much as most people, I guess, or as much as even like the numbers, like their Ken Palm numbers have shown. And I think they've kind of become like a new team um, in the past. Like just that, that shot making that you're talking about, it's just been critical for them. Um, like Ju- Juzang basically got them out uh, of that Michigan state game single-handedly, like just taking over and hitting contested jumper after contested jumper at the end of the game. Um, I don't know if that's, I didn't think that was like sustainable, but it's been sustainable so far. Um, I, I think that the real question is like the complete contrast in styles. They play super slow. Alabama wants to run the ball super fast. Uh, Can they get slowed down? Is that what you're wondering? Yeah. I'm wondering if they can get slowed down. I'm going to just, the brute force is a great way to put it for lack of a better lack of a better option here. I'm going to take Alabama and just take, you know, the fun team, mm. the team that I, the team that didn't beat my other favorite team in the tournament, BYU. Right. And so, take it's, Alabama. so it's six and a half. We're given the hook. Six and a half. It's a lot. Six and a half. Um, you know, I, you got to take you silly. I thought I had a memory in my head of Nate Oates and um, Cronin playing each other. And I had to look back at the Ken Paul really? while you guys were talking. Yeah. That really good Buffalo team did play Cincinnati. Oh, I thought you were year, saying so. actually playing basketball. And oh, I just tried to picture no. Mick Cronin playing basketball <laughs> and I, that froze me. Oh Where's God, Guthrie I would love to see, him? I would pay money to see a one-on-one game. I Mick, Mick would definitely pull a Tyson and eat it, bite his ear for yeah. sure. Call, um, call, call true sports. We can get that one-on-one game on the air. I'm yeah, telling you. I thought true I had, TV, a, true TV. I, I thought I had a memory. So yeah, I mean that, that Cronin team, the Cronin, uh, and they were both great at the time. And I think what year is this 2018 or something. So, um, you know, it's that Nick Perkins, CJ Massenberg, uh, Buffalo team that ended up upsetting Arizona in the first round of the tournament, a terrible Arizona team. Um, and then Cincinnati, you know, with Gary Clark, Jaron Cumberland, 
Jacob Evans. I mean, you oh, remember Cumberland these guys? Man, I, mean, I remember I mean, that don't, team. Don't you feel like isn't this the same team? Like Jacob Evans? Oh, you mean like exactly everybody? Jaron Cumberland? You mean? Oh, okay. Now I see the the players on UCLA. You can kind of feel this matchup a little bit. I feel like a little bit better. And to speak to Luke's point, I mean, in that game, Cincinnati opened up as you know they were they were up thirteen at half. Um, you know, absolutely uh, slowed Buffalo down, made them uncomfortable. I could see the same thing happen happening in this Alabama game. Alabama has not started fast in, I feel like, mm-hmm. a month, month and a half. So, I mean, the bet is probably a first-half bet on UCLA. I mean, I could see them doing that. Buffalo ends up winning this particular game that I'm referencing by six. So, you know what? I'm going to say history repeats itself. I'm going to say Alabama by six, which means give me UCLA, baby, right. six and a half. I'm right? glad somebody's on the other side of the fence. We cannot agree this much, but I, I love – the Sweet 16. I've got a lot of other great angles, not in this region, so I, I can't wait to get there. But I guess you have to put me through the pain of Florida State again. <laughs> this team who I got behind and shouted their praise from the rooftops. I've been saying this on my show pretty much 24-7. I'm using like two hours to complain about Florida State and their ways. I just don't like their ways, their, their methods and how they blow the game to Notre Dame when they really need it to win the regular season title and they show up with 24 turnovers against Georgia Tech and then they turn around and smoke Colorado. Ugh, I throw my hands up in the air, but out of spite, I'm going to give you the Michigan case. Michigan doesn't do dumb stuff. They're not a, a team who makes careless mistakes. Juwan Howard has coached them up very well. They run good stuff. They do have the interior advantage for the first time. Florida State will not have the interior advantage. I think that might hurt them a little bit. They're going to be reliant on MJ Walker and the guys on the perimeter to make some threes because I think, can we all agree that Hunter Dickinson has the edge? Mike, do you want to be a hipster and say no? No, no, I'll I'll go with Hunter in this matchup. I mean, you know, I love Cooper Visa as much as anyone, but um, – Hunter is definitely a better version of Cobra Visa. So, okay, yeah, thank you. Mike, defend your boy. Defend balls. <laughs> no, on, no, no, no. Not here. Not here. I mean, man, Michigan's just, uh, I mean, they're just stronger overall uh, along the perimeter. Uh, you know, that's the question, right? I like, draft like, Wagner we, as my second best player in this matchup. I draft oh, Wagner second. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, if you want to watch, uh, you know, you should check out Sperber's video of Wagner cutting to the basket and uh, driving the lane. I think that's going to give, I mean, you got to imagine that Wagner, who I think was first team all all Big Ten defensive team, he's going to be on Raekwon Gray, right? So how, how does that match up? work for for Florida State or for Michigan. I mean, Raekwon Gray has been the most important player for Florida State for me in the past, you know, month, month and a half. I mean, MJ Walker may have gotten a few accolades. You know, I know that, uh, you know, Cobra Visa gets a lot of credit, but I mean, it's Raekwon Gray that makes that team go. Um, and Wagner is a great is a great defensive player and he's size wise. He's a pretty good matchup, you know, so I, I this to me feels like I don't know what the over under is, but it's got to be the under. You know, this is going to be mean, a game that's like a sixty point. No, I'm f- first, I know first that. I'll, sixty. I'll tell you the over under. I mean, we should say the line is Michigan. Uh, your two and a half point favorites. Again, noting some it's line. Actually, this line. This line opened at six, 
and it's hints and it's since then moved down to two and a half, which is wild. Two and a moved. half. It's moved from yeah. six to two and a half. That's such who, value. Who was setting these lines? Why would you set that? I, I was going to say four. Well, who's you... betting Florida State like a madman? That's my question. <laughs> yeah, people are all over Florida State. Is I anybody guess. familiar I... with the fact that they do ridiculously stupid things every third game or every fourth game? Oh, it's going to happen. Man. Believe oh, me. Man. The only thing I'm worried about this in this game is Mike Smith. Mm-hmm. And you're you're over under to answer your question, Mike, is 143 and a half. Oh, no way it gets that high. There's just no way. There's no way. You gotta take the under, and I think you gotta probably end up taking Florida State in the end. I think no. I think they they guard the perimeter well enough. Um, I I don't think Michigan's gonna be able to score. I just don't see, I don't understand how Michigan is gonna they'll score how Notre Dame scored. Ah, uh, I mean if I Wagner get out there and he'll Pulled the uh, exact same trick that so many other teams have done to Florida State this year in the interior game. I mean, that's a replica of the North Carolina second half. Just play volleyball a little bit with Dickinson. It's going to be too much, too much Anthony polite, you know, too, I mean, just too much defensive prowess and length. I mean, they're going to push Michigan off the three point arc all game. And it's not going to be, not going to be a fun time. Oh, you're probably right. I mean, I I keep losing a first state, but. Uh, I mean, the way they would score is they're just going to pass around Florida State. Like, they're a great passing team. Florida State gets in defensive sequences where they're just, like, on the rails, and they're covering everything, but, like, they're rushing for closeouts, stuff like that, and Michigan will take advantage of that. And then, I mean, on the opposite end, how is Florida State going to score on Michigan? I mean, Michigan is a great defense, and Florida State goes against uh, stretches against, like, Georgia Tech, where they don't score the ball for six minutes in a row. Like they never, you know, they go on, you know, I, I think at the beginning of their last game, like uh, in, against Colorado, like at the 12 minute mark, the score was like, you know, 12 to 10 or something like that. You know, they're, they're not, they, they go through stretches where they don't score despite their like shooting prowess. Um, so I that's, mean, that's the argument for Michigan right the, there. The, uh, Florida State's going to score on the offensive glass. I mean, this is, you know, people talk about missing Isaiah Livers as a leader and as a three-point shooter and as maybe even a facilitator, but he he was having – he had the highest defensive rebounding rate of his career this year and was an integral part um, for – for that team in, in terms of defensive rebounding and losing him, I think, and really you're really replacing him with like Eli Brooks, you know, in certain spots, you know, when, when they do need points, um, that's going to be a no bueno. Um, it's going to be a lot of Anthony polite. It's going to be a lot of, I think Scotty Barnes, has a uh, has a game that propels him to declare for the NBA draft. Um, you know, just I I don't know. It's it's a bad matchup for Michigan. I'm glad they were able to beat uh, LSU, but they're in for a rude awakening. Uh, the LSU defense is putrid. Uh, this FSU defense is going to be a is going to be a rude awakening uh, for them, especially coming out of the Big Ten. Okay. Well, they've seen Maryland before, and Maryland, I equate to Florida State, except Florida State light. So we'll find out. I'm on an island on this one. Everybody else in the community is on Florida State. So you guys have fun over there, right? <laughs> you, you never, you never liked, uh, you never liked Florida State ever since they they gave it the business to Virginia by 20. No, it wasn't that. No, it was it was the Notre Dame finale, and it was also the ACC title game. Yeah, oh no, loser no, DNA. No. 
they're going to find a way to lose the final four. I mean, you know, everybody's going to be on uh, Florida state, you know, against Alabama, you know, they're going to be like, Oh, Florida <laughs> state, man, what a great matchup for Alabama and Alabama's going to smoke them by 25. And you're, you're going to be the guy that's like pointing at everybody. Like, see, you can't trust them. You can't trust them. Okay, so, well, you know, we're leaving this go. forsaken region. I'm done with it. Okay. <laughs> enough, enough, enough. So anyway, let's move on to one of my other favorite regions. Let's go to the South. Oh, I like the South. Yeah, I know. I have a Baylor Bears national champion ticket. It's Gee, burning I, a I, hole in my wallet. Oh, I did man. place it like two months ago, so you got to give me They're a little back. bit. They're, They're back. They're back, Luke. baby. They're and back. this is my favorite matchup on the board. Let me tell you why. Villanova had an easy path to the Sweet 16. They played a Winthrop team who... Did not have any competition during their regular season and was outmatched. They had no answer for JRE. That became clear in the second half when he just posted up every single time, touched it, fouls, and ones all over the place. They had no answer. Round two, they get a crummy North Texas team who had no business beating Purdue, but I don't know, something happened to Painter. Something happened to our, our main man, man-child, mm. Zach Eady. He didn't even play in this game barely, and it he, turned no, into the didn't. Travion no, show the rest of the way. He was too slow. Not good enough. So congrats to the mean green, but they're not very mean. So I I cannot give Villanova too much credit for destroying them, although everybody did doubt Jay Wright except for a couple of us. I think – you know, we mentioned I, that. I definitely, I definitely beat the Jay Wright gong a little bit. I think I had like the the surprise pick of the first pod was like, guess what, guys? Villanova is going to beat Winthrop. <laughs> you know, which was like, you know, almost a trendy upset at some point. You well, know? let me tell you what's going to happen to Villanova in the Sweet 16. It's going to be no bueno, as we've said a couple <laughs> times on this podcast. And I'll tell you uh, the theory behind this: the backcourt. Yep. Would you guys prefer Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell, or would you prefer oh. more Daniels and Archie Diacono the Younger? Just a quick <laughs> oh. question right there. You could even sprinkle in some Flagler there for Baylor, right? I mean, I'll, I'll take Baylor's third best guard okay. over Villanova's best guard. There's something really important that happened in the Baylor-Wisconsin game, and I don't think anybody's caught it, right? At least I haven't been listening to anybody mention it. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I Matthew Mayer was heavily involved. Mayer was heavily involved. He's the glue guy on that team. He's funky. He's got a mullet sometimes. He rebounds. Oh. The dude can shoot the three ball. He had 17. He just, I don't know. I, I think it's just the contrast of his look and style with the rest of the Baylor team that just ignites him. There's something right, magical right. that happens when he's on the floor, and it happened against Wisconsin, an easy win. Wisconsin's a similar team program as far as vibes to Villanova. I don't think they're going to knock your socks off or just you know, get on an absolute heater, say like an LSU could, or mention another team in the tournament like Alabama. So that's number one. And then defensively, they have so many other schemes and variety to deal with JRE. So they can throw, deny the middle at him. They can throw a zone. I don't think we'll see the Drew zone, or they could do the ferocious man on the perimeter if Villanova starts heating up from three-point land. I think they'll start with deny the middle just to neutralize JRE, and then they can put Vital on him. They could also put Macy Oteague on him. I think that would be a good matchup just for his quickness. Six and a half points, not enough. Give me Baylor. Well, let me. Just, the line is at seven now. Well, I got seven it at six points. and a half. Oh, well, great. It it started at five and a half. So everybody is obviously thinking the same way you're thinking. And I'm thinking the same way. I mean, 
I think Villanova is just not good enough to deal with Baylor, and that's yeah, it. I mean, no, I, nobody like what he said. Yeah, no, yeah, nobody liked Villanova going into the tournament. There's n- absolutely no reason to like them in a res- against a resurgent uh, Baylor team. You know, I mean, there's just there's no reason to do it. I mean, I like Baylor by 11 here. I mean, that's the number I have. I I can't believe it's only six. I assume it's because of the fact that it's the Sweet 16 and um, Jay Wright and all those things. But you know what? Give me the Drew, uh, not my Drew. I, I'm a big Bryce Drew fan, but you know, give me Scott Drew and uh, the Baylor Baylor Bears. Man, they're they're rolling right now. They look great in that Wisconsin game. Um, they're they're rounding into form. They're they're COVID uh, COVID forward, I guess. They're coming. They're they've they've moved past it. So. Um, yeah, Baylor. No good, doubt. Good. I'm glad we're in agreement. No, I like having yeah. backup. Yeah, it's not. It's not close. It's not close. Yeah, it's, it's the not. wrong line. No. I mean, the Wisconsin yeah. line was the wrong line when it was six. Um, it was. You know, that, that, I don't think that Wisconsin covered that line, and except for the tip, you know. So, uh, yeah, it it won't be any different here. Okay. What else do we have in the South? Oh. My favorite team of the first weekend, who I hopped on on two occasions, money line on two occasions. <laughs> <laughs> I also had a live money line on Oral Roberts. You know, I, you know, this is Arkansas Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts was playing Florida. All right, so there, the game was what second half, maybe twelve minutes left, and Florida just like kind of thought that they were okay. Like, yeah, Apple they're just like, okay, yeah, we're Apple- good. Yeah, Applebee was just kind of like getting buckets. And look, if if Applebee's leading your team for Florida, there's got to be a siren going off in your head where you got to be like, oh, something's broken. Like, because if he makes know. a couple, he's going to say, I got this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you, you could just see it. Like his eyes glaze over like a great white shark, like chum in the water. Um, you know, and they just kind of let Oral Roberts hang around and – you know, a couple of banner threes later, the game tightens up to, you know, a three-point game or something. I end up getting Oral Roberts at, like, plus 600, um, which is great. You know, I'm just, like, you. so jazzed. Like, I was, you know, untouchable in those moments um, coming off a Syracuse win. And, you know, like, just bouncing around, feeling really good. And then you look at Mike White's face. And Mike White is is as white as the shirt he's wearing. And he's literally just like looking at his assistants like, oh, you guys gotta play, you know. And you know, when when the when the head coach is like, you know, pumping his hands to the ground and saying, Calm down, calm down. <laughs> you know, that's like if there's ever a siren that needs to go off in your head, if you ever see a head coach doing that, immediately take the other side. You know, because that means I'm panicking. Please calm down. You know, I see these things going on. I used to see it with so. Dave Leto uh, on the reg in person, but that's uh, those are stories and tales that I don't want to revisit. Taylor, your thoughts on oral everything. There's two times in your life you should never say the phrase calm down. And one is when you're uh, the coach of a seven seed who's <laughs> about, about to lose to a, a, a 15 seed. And the, and the other is when you're in a fight with your spouse. And, and both, <laughs> both of them are equally bad. And you should never say the phrase calm down. So that's my life advice for Mike White. Because, I mean, applicable oh, to him in most shit. situations. That is the funniest, uh, funniest thing you're going to say in 2021. That is funny. <laughs> um, but so, back, 
Back to but Oral. that being said, back to Oral Roberts in Arkansas. The line is 11 and a half. And, you know, interesting, Ken Palm, the Ken Palm projection is that he treats Arkansas much better. It's, you know, it's the whole season, this sort of thing. So to me, the question is, like, Arkansas also likes to play fast. Um, well, they played already and, earlier on in the year. Everybody yeah, forgets that. Earlier. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I but, think Oral Roberts went in with the first half lead in that game. Is that right? Also, Oral should have taken down Oklahoma State, a game that I watched in its entirety back mm-hmm. all the way in December. Right. So this is not a flash in the pan. I think they have a body of work. That's why I liked them better than the other Cinderella's after the first weekend. And I also love the fact that they can shoot the three and they nail their free throws. You know? Mm-hmm. How can you not like that about this team with... Um, O'Banner and Kareem Thompson just letting it fly from the perimeter. And, uh, I mean, and the Max, uh, of course, is the other guy he had to talk yeah. about who just, um, I wonder what, what his percentage is. I need to think about it. From, he's he's 40, 43% from three. Yeah. As, as and he's 90% from the line. As many TV broadcasts noted, they are the best free throw shooting team in the history of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, right? that's so, right. That's right. Uh, that's a big deal. And and Mike, you're right. They Or Roberts was leading at halftime of that game and ended up um, losing by 11. Yeah, I think and there's so, there's a Sperber video on the adjustments Nate Oates made or not Nate Oates um, Musselman Musselman made in the second half of that game. And I have not yet watched it, but I'm sure it gives all the answers to whatever we're going to talk about. <laughs> Taylor, what do I always tell you about Arkansas in first halves? Oh, a they're a slow starting team. Oh, you know they're a slow yes. Starting team. They're like worse than Alabama. Worse than Alabama. So that's why that's I think a, this is a bad. perfect opportunity to play both sides. So start yourself off with a nice little plus 11 on Oral. And then if it gets all the way down to minus two, minus three, that's when I'd fire back on the other side. You will be able to get a middle in this game, ladies and gentlemen, if you follow this advice. So that's my game plan, boys. Uh, That's my game plan too. I don't know. I'm I'm Team Moses Moody in this game. Oh, I just think the Moody yeah. Moody shows out here. There's nobody. There's absolutely. There's absolutely nobody. This on, man. There's nobody on Oral Roberts to uh to guard him. But I tell you, you know what I'm most excited for? The opportunity for Connor Vanover to potentially have to guard O'Banner in a pick and pop. I mean, that's <laughs> the the idea of Vanover having to be, you know, 30 feet from the basket is is really exciting for me. So. Er, earlier <laughs> earlier this season, I think I joked to Mike when we were watching an Arkansas game a while back or sometime, I, I joked to Mike that Connor Vanover is Slenderman. And Mike told me that was offensive. <laughs> I, I said that I meant it as a compliment because Slenderman is a menacing figure. You know, he he's he you know he haunts the night times of millions of people. And uh, so I meant that as a compliment. But yeah, I <laughs> dancing is not allowed at Oral Roberts social events, but I will be dancing all the way to Luke's advice to a Five-point Arkansas win. Oh, man. Wow. Good for you for pulling that stat. Is that true? Are they full footloose? I didn't realize that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's – I don't know. I have no possible (laughs) – I have no, like, firsthand knowledge of what Or Roberts is like. But I just saw their student bylaws posted that social dancing is the term is is not allowed on campus. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. You never go full footloose, you know, you, you know, you can go partial footloose, you know, but 
right, that's that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> All right, we need to visit uh, just Titus style. Like, just <laughs> yeah, we'll, we're oral. gonna do our show. We'll do our show from oral. We'll do a live oral broadcast, and you know we should just do it if they make the elite eight. So we don't have much time. We're gonna have to get there on the weekend. Is that okay? Because right, they're right. not gonna be yeah, bad. We'll, dri- we'll drive out there. All right. Yeah. yeah, that's All enough right. on the south. Let's head to the Midwest. We've yeah, already baby. given homage to Buddy, but we'll, we'll get down there before we. Uh, leave you folks but first yeah. we have business with the most intriguing matchup of the entire sweet 16 for me it is also the stay away of the sweet 16 it's loyola chicago and oregon state two oh. teams on absolute heaters it's oh. the first game as well it's the 245 tip off on saturday gimme 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 i just want to say to set this up before mike starts talking because i want to let mike talk for like two hours about this game i could i could i could could read a book that mike would write over the weekend about this game uh the line is six and a half uh down from seven i believe down from seven loyally your favorites yeah it's going back and forth loyally your favorites and i i just feel like this game is a battle more important than the spread more important than the sweet 16 elite is the battle for mike jaffe's soul uh, who, you know who will who who it's will reign supreme okay this is this is spy versus spy this is yin and yang this is mr this smith this is whatever you want to say i guess they team up in the end but you get it you know this is this is like the two halves of Mike's personality. Tinker Taylor, flashing. soldier spy. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, to quote some uh, John Lacare. Anyway, continue. So, Taylor. I mean, Luke, Luke, tell me, tell me why you feel. I mean, I first of all, when I heard you say that this is the most intriguing match of the, of the Sweet Sixteen, like my heart a fluttered, um, because you're absolutely right. It is the most intriguing matchup of the Sweet Sixteen. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned that it's a stay away for you. So, I mean, what is it? What is it that intrigues you about this matchup, and why? Why do you think it's a stay away? I mean, what is it that you can't choose between these two? teams because they're both so hot or you know what is it that intrigues you about this matchup i definitely have my reservations going against that loyola chicago defense and how Mm -hmm. disciplined they are and that crudwick actually covers a lot of ground defensively i mean he's a big body on the flip side i've also fallen in love with silva you know, for yeah. Oregon State when he's in the game. Yeah. I just, that guy gets buckets. He gets rebounds. Every time there's a rebound up for grabs, if you watch the OK State game, I thought that Oregon State was coming down with it. Right. And that's a right. great thing to have on your side, especially if you have a nuke deployed on the Beavers, which happens, mm-hmm. which, you know, I had, obviously. <laughs> a money line nuke. I just cannot go against Oregon State right now. They've been too good to me. They weathered a storm of... Caden, Oklahoma State charging back. Ethan Thompson hits all his free throws. I think he only missed one, and he had about 16, 17 in that game. Gosh, it's tough for me to go against Oregon State. I can't do it. I got to take the points, but I still don't love this one because, gosh, Loyola Chicago, they're just so disciplined. They play as a unit, and they have no fear. They're fearless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Loyola, you know, I I had to go back and look it up, um, you know, while Taylor was talking because, you know, I wasn't listening that well, but I was. he was speaking to my soul, so I had to look – 
back and it was January 26th that I, I told you, gentlemen, you know what? Loyola is back. You know, like it, this is going to be the year again for Loyola. And, you know, they're, they're more connected than they were on their run. What was it? Three years ago. Now uh, the years melt away when you're in the, in the warm embrace of sister Jean. Um, but you know, um, I mean, they're more connected now defensively than they were even back then, you know, and they, and they were a talented team then. I mean, they can you know, hedge. Pro, I'll tell you, you that you much. You bring up Crutwood covering ground, and you know it's actually if you really watch him, it's not his feet that cover so much ground. It's actually his hands, right? Like and his his reach. You know he's got incredibly quick hands. You saw at the end of that Illinois game where it looked like maybe Illinois was gonna come back, and you know they're down eight with a minute left, and they're bringing the ball up the floor, and you know Crutwood just kind of slaps at it, and it goes off the Illinois player's leg, you know, and he's he's screaming, and you know the announcers are just talking about the YMCA and his mustache. And you're like, give the man some damn respect. Put some respect on his yeah. name. Put some respect yeah, just, on his name. You know, is Cameron Quatrick? He's a top know, five kid Bob player. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he's one of the best players in college basketball. Um, and you know, everybody just has to kind of refer to him as Shrek. You, you know, which is unfortunate. Um, I just to say, I was deeply offended by whoever was commentating on that, saying like. Oh, Cameron Crutwig, can't you just see him at the YMCA? And then you can hear him think in his head, like he had a pause, like, oh, I should not, I should add something to that. Those like, bastards. Uh, Who was it? When he's 50, when he's 50 years old, when he's 50 years old, he like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you can hear him pause. Was, I, like, oh, I think it was on. Bill Rafferty that, uh, I was like, come on out there. Um, but you know, the key for Loyola, I mean, obviously they're super connected defensively. So, you know, defensively what they do and what they did to Illinois is that they push you off of set shots. You know, they, they don't allow you to take set threes. They don't let you spot up. Okay. Without, a dribble you know they're they're always going to be there and rotating and things like that um and that's actually not a problem for oregon state nope. oregon state actually thrives in the one to two dribble pump fake off the three-point line and going into the mid-range i mean you know ethan thompson jared lucas um even alatiche you know love love to live in that range so you know the the things that loyola chicago Chicago forces you into won't be problematic for Oregon State. So I actually like Oregon State to get out and score here. We're um, going to see some Ed Cota floaters coming from Oregon State in this yeah, game. Trust Ed me. Cota float. Oh, dude, you're stirring me right now, Luke. I mean, really. You're, <laughs> I tell you, you got the witch's brew right now. Just with the cauldron right now. Uh, but, Mike is engorged. Right <laughs> and then, you know, Loyola Chicago, I mean, you know, if, if they're going to score, because you immediately shift to the other side of the ball, everybody's going to focus on, oh, can Oregon State score on Loyola Chicago? You know, that's going to be like the majority of people's analysis. But it actually, I think the more impactful piece is like how Loyola Chicago scores on Oregon State. And Luke, you already touched on the most important part, which is Oregon State's greatly improved defensive rebounding. And the fact that Silva is absolutely a vacuum down low, you know, he mm -hmm. he. He takes a piece of the uh, of the culture of Loyola Chicago, which is reaching for the lights, right? I mean, like if you if you watch um, Roman Silva down low, all he does is he goes right to the edge of the uh, of the charge circle and he just reaches for the lights and he's just straight up all day. And then he doesn't even jump for his rebound. He just all he does is he defends this way and then he rotates around. He rotates around Snatches and he rebounds it. Yeah. the basketball, holds it high you know? and dumps off to Ethan Thompson. 
yeah, and it's it's quick outlet passes, and then Ethan Thompson and Jared Lucas and Alatiche are out for Oregon State um, running the floor. Um, you know, and so the question is, you know, for Loyola scoring the basketball. So if it, Cameron, you know, Krupwig is – I think he's going to struggle in this matchup against Silva. But, you know, um, you know, Krupwig does not operate outside the paint. He does not really operate outside of 15 feet. Um, so, you know, Silva's going to – it's not like it's going to pull Silva – greatly away from the basket but the instant offense for Loyola Chicago is Marquise Kennedy right Kennedy is their most important scorer I think he's the first man off the bench for them usually um and you know he's going to be matched up with Alatiche uh for Oregon State who is an all-world defender okay I mean six seven you know probably 180 pounds and just wiry he's going to be all over Marquise Kennedy in this game. And he even, I think he'll be helped by Jared Lucas as well. Um, so I actually, I like Oregon state defensively in this matchup. I think that, I think that they do a great job of snapping out and being able to push Loyola off the three point line. And I like their defensive rebounding. So if, if Loyola is going to be a one shot and done team in this matchup, I can't believe it, but I think Oregon State's going to win this basketball game. Well, then um, say it. You know, I, it it's I, a six-and-a-half-point I mean, line. Just, but You know, I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but give it to me, mm. man. Oregon State money line against Loyola Chicago, not because they're better than Loyola Chicago, but because this is the best matchup for Oregon State in this ma- at this time. Um, and Ethan Thompson against uh, – against Braden Norris is mm. a total is a total yeah mistake. I agree with you and and um, at this point I think you just have to ride them winning outright they've been getting out to yeah. incredible leads in both of their two games I mean they were bullying Tennessee start to finish they had a 20 point lead pretty much throughout and that one and they got up to a 17 point lead yeah. against Oklahoma State so why not create value I like where your head's at as far as the yeah, money line pick you can always I mean, get off of it later if things start yeah, to change yeah that's right. You can switch it. And I mean, honestly, if Loyola Chicago looked in the mirror here, they would see themselves three years ago in Oregon state. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think these teams are very similar. I mean, I think they're very similar to how they were a couple of years ago in terms of their value and the teams are playing and the matchups they're getting. I just, I like Oregon state here against all odds to, uh, to take out Loyola Chicago, man, to my, to my children playing each other. Um, all right, Taylor, yeah, did you time that? I, I didn't, but it, <laughs> it was close to your time, expectations as far as how long and how in depth Mike went. Time time is a flat circle. That was uh you know season four of True Detective. Mike talking about who he thinks is going to win that game. I I I just take Oregon State with the points. Keep it a close game. Okay, to the final game that we have, and it involves one of our children. Mm-hmm. It involves. A family connection. I love my son. I like this Give guy. Back my son. My, hey, th- hey, this guy is good, but I love my son. Mm-hmm. That's right. It involves shady coaching history. And I'm not just saying Syracuse. I'm saying Kelvin Sampson, too. It involves Dijon Giroux. How do you not yeah, like saying right. that? Right. An American hero. An American hero, yeah. And uh, I believe in Syracuse. I just feel like Houston is the perpetual Sweet 16 team. Maybe Elite Eight on a lucky year with a good matchup. And some would say this is a good matchup, but six points, no way, too much. Houston in rounds one and two. Well, you know, they're round one 
opponent is the tailor-made opponent. Houston takes care of business except for that stupid ECU game earlier on in the season, and they throttle teams who can't hang with them on the glass. And everybody's going to be talking about the offensive rebounding and how they're the best offensive rebounding team in the country, save North Carolina. I actually think they're a little bit better than North Carolina, um, even though the numbers say differently against a zone which does not clear the glass whatsoever. Now, it would have been different if... Um, Sidibe, Sidibe, I don't know how you say it. I'm, I don't want to try to say it because he hasn't been involved this year due to that injury. Would have been around to help clear the glass for Syracuse. But I think it's a fallacy to try to go for that angle full force and say, oh, because of this, Houston will win. Houston does struggle to score the ball at times. They go through droughts. Syracuse is not struggling to score whatsoever. It does not matter what defense you throw at them. I think they're going to be able to light it up yet again, and not just Buddy, but like look at Syracuse's last time out. Uh, they didn't even necessarily get good outings from the rest of their lineup, if we're just tracking it. The productivity in general. I know Dolajai has been very serviceable, who's one of our favorite players, but you know Alan Griffin had a terrible game against West Virginia. I don't expect that to continue. I think that he'll come to play. Joe Girard, I don't expect him to continue putting up double figures. In fact, I don't want him shooting that much because that could be a problem for Syracuse, even though I still hold like maybe one share of Joe Girard stock. And then Gary A, we didn't even mention him. Syracuse is going to score. That's the story of this game. Forget about the boards. Jim will make his own. I mean, he'll conjure one up. He has plenty of time to game plan for this. He'll have plenty of time to tell his guys how to get on the glass. And six points, way too much. Take Syracuse. I like them to win outright, but just in case, and Houston can get into these close games, as we saw against Rutgers, I'll take six points and Syracuse. Mm. Yeah. Taylor, what you got? I mean, I think you got to take the six points. Um, Houston sometimes just really, really struggles to score. And really, they only have one kind of like really good shooter, and that's Quentin Grimes. And Quentin Grimes is uh, mercurial, I'll just say. Um, he just, you know, I don't, you can't trust him, I think. Maybe a direct quote from other people have told me that this season. You can't trust Quentin Grimes. Yep. Um, that's, sometimes me. He, that's me. That's me. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> Sometimes he looks, you know, just like he's unconscious. And sometimes he looks like he's like really unconscious and it's just bad. <laughs> um, so like, and, and I think that, uh, like you said, the Syracuse is just like, so is so hot right now. They, uh, Houston struggled against Rutgers for a lot of that game. And even Kelvin Sampson in his comments after the game said like, uh, Rutgers defense kind of confused us for a little bit. They threw some things at us that we weren't ready for. We had to adjust. And I mean, I, I trust the Syracuse zone will be a little bit even, you know, even more difficult for them to, to deal with. So I, six points is just too much. And I'll take Syracuse with that. Can I add one more thing before Mike goes? Houston is a very rhythmic offense. People don't understand that because they all think that, oh, they score on the offensive glass, which they do. But they're very rhythmic in their passing. And I think that zone is going to slow down some of that rhythm and how they move off the ball. I think they like going against man defenses compared to zones, and especially the Syracuse zone. That's my last point I'll throw in. Mike. Um, so, Giroux being in or out, is, you know, he's going to be, he's going to play, but 
you know, his effectiveness will be a huge factor in this game. Obviously, you know, Taylor, I think in the beginning of the podcast alluded to, you know, the fact that he, you know, the announcers attributed everything to him, even though he was one of four, I think from the field from when he came back in um, and maybe had two points. But, you know, the fact is he came in when they were down 40 to 50 against Rutgers and that team rallied around him to to win the game. You know, I think that the the issue for Syracuse is how quickly Houston snaps out to the three point line um, and how active they are defensively and how much length they have Um, And once, you know, Gary gets the ball on the baseline. You know, I don't think he's gonna be able to finish. You know, even even if given given an open opportunity, I just think that Sarah, uh, Houston is just a is such an active defensive team that I don't I don't. This is not a good matchup for Syracuse. Okay, like this, it's absolutely not a good matchup for Syracuse. And if Giroux were going, I could see Houston winning this matchup by ten plus. Um, even though, even with their struggles offensively, because I think that their struggles offensively will be um, made up for just by the scheme of Syracuse, by the zone and by the offensive rebounding that you alluded to. And also, you know, when Houston needs to hit some shots, Quentin Grimes can can hit an open three. I mean, he's a 41% three-point shooter this year. Giroux is a 37% three-point shooter. Um, they have other a couple other shooters on the team. But um, I actually like Houston to cover here. Mm. Um, I – and it's a surprise to me because I've loved the Syracuse run um, and I would love to see them playing Oregon state in the next round um, for a chance to go to the final four. But I actually think it's going to be Houston. Um, I, I think that they win handily wow. And, wow. and limit Syracuse. So How about that, yeah, I'll, I'll take the points. Um, it's a bad matchup for Syracuse. The last thing I'm going to fire back in Syracuse's defense is they are very underrated on the offensive glass in their own rights. And Houston's not the best defensive rebounding team, which is a little bit of an oxymoron, but that's just how they are. That's how the numbers shake out. And Syracuse was able to get rebounds against a Virginia team who clears the glass very well. It was an excellent defensive rebounding team. So I think they're going to have some second chance points in this one. That's my last bullet point for Syracuse. But uh, should we pick our Elite Eight games? Why not? While we're still here, I'll take either Loyola Chicago or Oregon State to dismantle either Houston or Syracuse. I don't even care who gets there. Yeah, I'll go with you on that. I mean, whoever comes out of the top of that uh, Midwest, give give me that final time. four. Yep. Run time. to the window. I'm so excited to be different from you just because I want to be different. I'll take Syracuse to make the final four here. Give me, give me that ACC old Big East magic. Okay. Buddy, I don't know if you guys heard, but Jim Behan's son, Buddy, is pretty good at basketball. <laughs> you know, it's funny because he's his son. So, like, it's like the coach coaching his own son, which is wild. And he's good at basketball. He's really good, really good score. You wouldn't believe it. Can yeah, I tell you, you guys get, something? Yeah. Really the, wonder what that relationship is like. He might be meeting <laughs> another coach's son. Oh. Oh, yeah. Is anybody picking up on this? No. I, I used to so, assume you're talking so, about Tony Bennett. Does he have children? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, um, where was I going with this? It's like Porter Moser Jr. Braden Morris is a coach's son. Oh yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. We've heard it like fifteen times on the yeah, uh, broadcast. 
I mean, it's hard for me to hear when the mute's on and the techno is Oh, playing. yeah, yeah, And above the rim is going. <laughs> Regardless, we've heard that 15 times on the broadcast, so I just had to mention that. Anyway, let's go up. Let's go reverse order. Let's just um, go back to the South region. Why not? Baylor's in the Final Four. Prove me wrong. Oh, no way. There's no way to prove you wrong. They're in the Final Four. It's not close. Agreed. <laughs> Thank you. Seconded. They're they're a dream matchup for Arkansas too. If Arkansas does get there, I mean, what a dream matchup! But, so what yeah, a dream close. ticket for me and maybe for you as well. If Oregon can pull this off, what if we had an Oregon Baylor final? That'd be incredible. You have a ticket, I have a ticket. You have a store, and I have a store. I'm quoting Young Guns right now, and also there will be blood in a in a certain fashion. So that would be phenomenal. But let's go to the West. Why not? Yeah. Counterclockwise we go. I, I wish that uh, Gonzaga had someone better to play besides Creighton, USC, or Oregon. Um, I think all three teams that are left for Gonzaga to play are all better than any team they played this year. Um, but I still like them to come out of the West. Uh, they, are, they are talented. But I, I tell you, I don't think they're going to make the championship game. Let me say that. Oh, wow. See, I think if yeah. they're going to run into something, it's going to be either the bigs of USC or the Oregon sharpshooting, which is going to knock them out. I'd love them if they play Alabama. I would love that matchup for oh, Gonzaga. Or Florida State. Gosh, give me that. Florida State-Gonzaga part five, right, in the NCAA tournaments? We've already had at least two of these games. Uh, right? Because Florida, Florida State's not making the Final Four, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> okay, well, I guess we're going to get Alabama-Gonzaga. Unless one of the Pac-12 teams comes and takes them out, I think one of the Pac-12 teams has the best opportunity until they see Baylor in the finals, which is my prediction. But Taylor, go ahead. Yeah, Taylor, I assume you have uh, Gonzaga coming out of the West. Yeah, I'll just make the safe, you know, pick there. Well, I got news for you guys. I do too. So let's move on. Yeah. So what do you got in the East? What, what's the uh, what's the shakeout? So you well, I got... have to stick with my original Alabama on my real bracket, not the. Um, we were a little bit toasted at 10 o'clock doing a Sweet 16 pick them before the tournament even started. So, Right. Yeah. Right. I'm still picking BYU. The, somehow, they're coming back. I think at one point I also <laughs> agreed with Luke and took Alabama. But I, uh, dude, I'm excited. I'm, I'm rooting for Florida State. I just know. don't care about rooting, the East. I'm sorry. Just, just despite both of you guys, I'm rooting for Florida State. Okay. Mm. Well, I mean, you guys are you guys are all wrong. It's going to be UCLA taking out Gonzaga to be in the championship <laughs> game against against Loyola Chicago. <laughs> Loyola Chicago takes out Baylor. Loyola Chicago versus uh, UCLA for your championship game. There you go. <laughs> Cash those tickets. <laughs> Speak it into existence, Mike. Speak it into existence. The secret. Oprah told me about that one.